any Dharma things that someone would like to raise or talk about? Mind that they still the concentration is really it doesn't last long, so it goes here and there. What do you what do you do when you sit down? Uh, I go into the first breath, I think. Mm-hmm. Then um, then I feel um, that the breath is not there, like I feel quite cool, something like that. Then I'm fully awake, like uh, my mind goes then. Goes. I'm thinking. Yes. Or just um, talking in the mind itself. Yeah, internal kind of yes. dialogue. Right. Are you sleepy? No, I don't. No. What do you think about? Uh, it's a chatter in the mind, like then they're going to make the vacation or something like that, and then the family is like that, and then. Uh, so you start thinking about family, whatever's yes. going. Boy, yes. Then I come back to again. And there's no real emotional power to the thinking. It's just right. whatever story. Yeah. Right. Well, that's normal. It kind of depends what kind of person you are. Some people find that more focus is very helpful for them. But some people find that more focus just makes them tense. So it kind of depends. But one way is to, first of all, if your mind is going to thinking, Mm -hmm. then to employ thinking as a way of coming back to the present. Right? So if you if you start with a breath and then you notice that you've gotten caught in some plan about going to Sri Lanka say stuff, then you could take an exercise of just a agata. You could take something from the Dhammapada. You could take the, like I was saying the Metta Sutta and actually recite it quite slowly. Not just in the usual, because you can, you can recite gathas and be thinking at the same time. Right. But to actually recite it quite slowly and use that as a way of grounding yourself and then go to the breath. So that each time your, your attention goes off into thinking, you use thinking, when you notice it, you use thinking as actually a way of now grounding yourself in the present moment, but the thinking you're using deliberately isn't just about the family. It's something which is prescribed by its structure. So if you have a gata, you can't just be thinking randomly. The gata determines what you have to think. And then if you can add to it a kind of slowness and a deliberateness, it also becomes a contemplation. You know, so that I always talk about metta sutta. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness. So let's say I say, okay, start with Anapanasati because I like that. Okay, I do that. And then I'm, you know, thinking about buying a new car or something like that. Then you make your practice. Okay, as soon as I notice thinking, I'm going to pick up the gata, be long or short, and I'm going to do it deliberately all the way through to the end. And when I get through to the end, then I'll pick up the breath again. All right? So you're using thought, but it's not random. So you can make the gata short, 
Some people will memorize verses of the Dhammapada, just one verse. You could, if you think about the, the way the Visuddhimagga talks about doing metta bhavana, it talks in a very deliberate way. You have a, a loved one, a neutral person, an enemy, and yourself, something like that. And then the phrases are very deliberate. I could look it up for you. So when you, when you take those phrases just as they are, I never did it that way. I like just to go to the heart. But if you take those phrases just as they are, then you also have a recitation. So you, you set up a, a very set pattern of, say, five people. Okay, it could be Shanti, uh, your postman, Donald Trump, <laughs> and yourself. <laughs> Something like that, right? right. And, and you use the same five, and then you use the language of that recitation uh, exactly as it is. That's how the kind of classic meditations work from the Visuddhimagga. They're very deliberate, mm-hmm. and they're very intellectually organized, right. but it's not random thought. Right? Right. And after a while, that intellectual part transfers to something in the heart. It does seem to work. But again, it's, a, it's using thought deliberately to get to the point where you don't need thought. So I would, I would try something like that. And, uh, but then you have to memorize. Yeah. You have to make that effort... So that thing I memorized from the Greek philosopher, right. I said the other day on Friday, right, yeah. that's very clear in my mind now, because I memorized it over the weekend, and I bring it up throughout the day, so you can do it, by suspending judgment, by confining oneself to phenomena or objects as they appear, by asserting nothing definite as to the way things really are, one can escape the perplexities of life and attain imperturbable peace of mind. So I memorized that on the weekend. And it's, you know, it's kind of complex to get that. But I just did it over and over again. But then I also talked through it. And then I've been contemplating that as a kind of bhavana. Yeah. By suspending judgment. And I kind of think, well, what does that mean? I don't think too much of it, just, and that makes my mind silence. And then by limiting myself to phenomena as they are, so that means just the way things are, suchness. So I use that like a gata yeah. as a way of both bringing my mind to the present, but also bringing an attitude, an attitude to mind. So thought, right thinking is very skillful. Have you ever seen Karen Salzberg's book on Sharon Salzberg? Sharon Salzberg. Sharon Salzberg. Sharon Salzberg. On Metta? Yes. Have you seen it? She has she has the formulation. Okay. Read that again. Okay. It'll be online somewhere. Right. Probably here. And then she, she uses the classic formula. Okay. And she talks about the, the way of actually repetition, where sometimes it seems just so uh, sterile and dry. But she does it and does it and does it and does it, and she just begins to really feel it. And that's a more kind of like absorption way of talking about metabhavana. But it's the, the way she describes it, she does it for three months, very vigorously. I mean, she's a, she's a very determined 
meditate, or discipline. So one doesn't have to do it to that extent, but it's an example of how to use a, a formulaic kind of thing. In the end, Ujjanika asks her, I think, so, because, so you have the formulation, you have a friend, a benefactor, uh, a neutral person, an enemy, and yourself. So Ujjanika asks her, okay, so you got these five people and one of them has to get killed. Who will you choose? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I forget how this formed, but that was the, the gist of it. And oh, should I, should I kill? Should I get myself killed? Is that right? And she finally says, "I can't choose. It's equal. It's equal." And Janika doesn't answer. And says, "Okay, you can go." He says, oh, maybe I flunked. Mm-hmm. That was like a test. And the, apparently the senior Ajans were there, Sayadaws. And later on she found out she had passed. <laughs> because her metta was so strong to all five, she could not choose. Yeah. Well, Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, you know, if you're into self, a bit of self-criticism, or you'd say, oh, well, and kill me. Mm. Was he? Yeah. Interesting. It's a good book. And she gives kind of some very good techniques in that, but she does lay out that classic way that the Burmese, the Burmese use a lot. Uh, no, I had the same. I actually had the same problem. What I did was, uh, I I started the Buddha recitation. Uh huh. It didn't work. It, did not bring up any image of the Buddha or whatever. Then uh, I started on Itipiso. Uh, the Itipiso, it plays in my mind and it's just like a record playing. So it just goes on and on and on. So. Yeah, it's not, it's to get it deliberate is the challenge. Okay. Like for me, I can use the Pali, but it doesn't have the same strength of meaning as English. So again, if I use metta, sutta, and I pause throughout it, it's much more different than if I just chanted, this should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and in us, let them be able, not bright. And after a while, it's just, just this record in the back, and I'm thinking about the woodwork. It's amazing. We can, we can multitask. <laughs> and you don't want to multitask in meditation. Uh, so if you, if you see what like deliberateness is, it's like deliberately putting out each word and then pausing at the end of a, a significant phrase. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness. You know, you're laying out each word quite deliberately and who knows the path of peace. Pause. Let them be able and upright. Mm. Straightforward. Mm. Gentle speech. Now when you try to do that yourself, you'll forget you'll forget the sutta because you're not used to the pauses. You say, oh, where was I? And if you're in the where was I, you got to start again. Start again. So, so then, that is, that's, uh, you can see what you're doing with your mind. You're actually, uh, you're mindful of each phrase. And you're laying out each phrase mindfully. Plus, you're, you're imbibing the mind with a very health, helpful attitude. So then you, 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 you'll find that 
you'll come across phrases in the texts or from Ajahn Sumedho or whatever, you know, you just find a really good sentence or line or catchphrase. And you say, I like that. Then memorize it. Same thing. Write it down. And if it's a bit complicated, great. You see, we're not really trained to memorize. We know how to retrieve information, but we're not trained to hold it in that sense like the Victorians did poetry, say. That it is as it is, but it has, it has a use if you do that because you put so much effort into memorizing something, then it comes up. It's available, right? If you've just sourced it from Google, you've read it and put it down, you don't remember it. I mean, you might remember its intent, but the actual words of it you don't remember. That way of using the contemplative mind is not, it's not common amongst... It's, it's common with, with monastics, obviously, because we, we memorize things and they come up and so on. And the phrase doesn't have to be the same. For me, I get like this phrase from this Greek philosopher. You know, I'll use it for a few months and then something else will pop up. Or like I was using Lompostomato's, uh, and the way I just phrased it was, wisdom says, it's like this, silence. And then compassion says, and it all belongs. I was just using that. Now that's not very complicated, right? And it doesn't create that much samadhi. Something like Metta Sutta is more complex, it's more definite, and you can't cheat. <laughs> you know, you can't just throw in any words you want. You kind of know, no, that's which, which word is it? <clears throat> so you have to get into the memory, uh, memorize it, the meaning. The meanings are very helpful. Yeah, you're, you're using thought, attitude, understanding, using a lot of things in the mind very, very skillfully. Now, I think what happens is you, you tend to go from complexity to simplicity. So you often start with, even in a sitting, you know, you'll start with something kind of complex. And as your mind begins to naturally settle, you just find, oh, that's a bit too much. That's a bit too much thinking, or it's a bit too coarse, and you don't need it anymore. You know, it's like meditation with training wheels. <laughs> so you have your gata, it's your training wheel, right? Keeping you on the road, keeping you balanced. And then, that seems to be going okay. And you naturally drop the training wheel. Not through willfulness, you just, it's disinteresting in a way because the silence is more interesting. And then your mind naturally tends to the gap between thoughts. It's getting the practice to that point where the gap between thoughts is equally available to thoughts as thoughts are. Right now, thoughts are super available. In fact, they're so available that they don't get out of the way. And, you know, it's like they're very, very sticky. And that is as you do practices which ground you in, 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 in a sense, even when you're saying that language of the Metta Sutta, you're grounding yourself in silence, in the silence of non-proliferation, not proliferating anymore. You may not know it, you're saying a few things, but you're not, it's no papancha there. There's deliberateness, there's skill, you know, there's wisdom, there's understanding your own mind, so the papancha is not there. And... Uh, that leads to a mind which notices the gap after thinking. And you, you taste that rather than try to get it. And, oh yeah, and, and your mind inclines to that more and more. Default mechanism is more of that, more and more. But you need your training wheels. <laughs> I have been um, 
experimenting with their this it's like this and um, it all belongs he's very it's been very helpful and then also um, when you know various preoccupations come up uh, this is in awareness mm -hmm. and you know there's the training wheels part and at this point you know there's been these occupation preoccupations coming and going and I remember you talking about just the karma of of course, you know, I've been working full-time in Toronto. There's a momentum and just kind of trying to witness this. Wait, you know, with some, the, the mind somewhat settled, but not as, and as settled as, as, as it's want. been in previous times at T-Serena, <laughs> so I kind of noticed that, and what's going on? And, uh, but it's just, always patience. But, but yeah, patience with, this is the karma mm -hmm. of, you know, what's, if you're working and you're making plans, you create intentions, you have to have thinking. If your work is not complex and you're not creating too many plans, then there, there can be less thinking. But if an architect is juggling seven things, right. design and so on and so forth, he has, to, he has to accept the fact that there's going to be echoing in the mind. But if he has good mindfulness, then he'll see the propensity of running with an idea. That's what you have to do. You have the echo of your work from last week, but you also have the fascination of a possible solution or uh, a creative alternative, and, and somehow you have to renounce that for a while. You have to put, you know, take the clutch in and let the thing not... kind of give up give up pursuing the solution and, and be okay with not having a solution. I think one thing that um, undercuts it a bit is that sometimes I'll be planning and then sometimes I'll be in some pleasant fantasy and then I'll just notice, oh, well there's this transition from one thing to another and so that's just kind of stuff coming and going. And it's associative thinking. Well, your mind will go in this way. Oh well, yeah, it's like, it's like probably... Internet sites, you know, you, you'd be reading some article and then there'll be a link to a definition in Wikipedia. So you go to Wikipedia uh, and then there'll be a link to <laughs> just, just bouncing around with associative thinking. The difficulty with thinking is that we could think we can get out of thinking by analyzing. So we think about why we're thinking so much. <laughs> Which is, you just say, that's just thought. So the fascination with thought uh, is different than just knowing thought is thought. So if we have a negative thought, we analyze it, why am I so negative? You know, the person is really nice to me, I really shouldn't, and it goes on, and why am I thinking about that, you know, it's just no thought. So actually bringing your mind to no thought, again and again and again, is a, is a, is a kind of delightful discipline. So like, you know, I use, I use Sam to hear the fan. You have to go to no thought. So those little exercises of, of sense experience around the ordinary, where you understand how to bring your mind to no thought rather than trying to get rid of thought. And you just do it, you just, yeah, sound. Touch. And you just go to no thought, to go to no thought, no thought. And then your mind really grounds in the present moment. You understand that then you're able to take a more repetitive object, like 
breath or sound of silence or walking, whatever, and you're constantly going no thought, which is in the present moment. Rest takes care of itself. Because when you get to no thought, really, you, you're starting to get to anatta. You know, the whole sense of me being someone going somewhere that begins to you notice, oh, there's no person here. You know, there's still consciousness, but there isn't a me doing something to do something. Analysis is always me with my programs. So it's like this is, is the ultimate statement of no thought. Right? <laughs> it's dead simple, but we're so complex. I think oftentimes we don't trust that. It's, you know, it's just too simple. It's just too simple. <laughs> but it's, it's very elegant. It's very, I prefer the short phrases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of, one of the people here at the meeting yesterday, she's, she has a lot of challenge with a lot of thinking, and she's been memorizing the Dhammapada. She takes a verse and then holds it in her mind. She really focuses her. So, right thinking. Yeah, and you just keep going. <laughs> what else is there to do except eat chocolate? <laughs>